This is Ignite. Good afternoon, global leaders. It's such a joy for me to be able to share the word of God. I don't take it lightly. God has been good to you. God has been good to me. That is why we're still standing. I miss all the things that, you know, we thought we would have or we would do. Or that's, you know, one thing or the other. Again, it's only those that are alive that can even complain. Right? So it's such a joy, such a privilege for me to be here this morning. Um, I just want to celebrate PTA and PWA, amazing, amazing, amazing parents. Can we celebrate them? They are amazing, amazing, amazing people. And Father, I just ask that you will bless them in the name of Jesus, that you will make their name, you will continue to make their name great in Jesus' name. All right, guys. So um, who was here last week? Okay, you were here? Okay, awesome. All right. So last week, um, you know, we started a new series. Sorry, before I go into that, sorry, guys. My name is Coco, by the way. I saw that we have a lot of new people. Hi, guys. My name is Coco. Um, I love, love, love being a member of the Ignite Church. This is a house of global leaders. We are getting trained to make full manifestations of our global destinies because what is in the inside of us needs to come out. The world is waiting on tippy-toe for the manifestations of the sons and daughters of God, which is you and I. And so will it happen in the mighty name of Jesus. All right, so last week we started a new series um, um, on the force of favor, right? Um, so we're going to do a quick recap and then we'll go into what we're talking about. Let's just quickly say a word of prayer. My Father, my God, I give you all the glory. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. Oh God, no one can understand the scripture without you revealing it to the person. So we ask in the name of Jesus that you open up our minds to the understanding of your word, that you will reveal to us the things that we need to know in this season, oh God, that you will speak to us, oh God, collectively and individually in the name of Jesus. And I declare in the name of Jesus, there will be grass in the field for everyone in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we've prayed, amen. All right, so last week, um, let's do a quick recap. So for the benefit of those that are joining us for the first time. So last week we started a new series, um, The Force of Favor. Right. And actually, before I go into that, the Holy Spirit is really one. Like, it's amazing how the choir was dressed in white, Timmy was dressed in white, and I'm dressed in white. Can we just celebrate the Holy Spirit real quick? Amazing, right? Sorry, I just had to quickly do that. The Holy Spirit is amazing. All right, going back to what I was talking about. So we started a new series, um, The Force of Favor, and we're, we, we, one thing that we learn amongst many things is that God is the only source, um, he's the only owner, and he's the distributor of favor, right? He's the one that initiates the whole process. The Bible tells us in Psalm 75, 6 to 7 in TPT, favor does not come from anywhere on earth. God alone determines where favor rests, right? We learned that there's two dimensions to favor. The first one is the free gift dimension, which you and I receive receive our salvation. And the second one is the reward dimension, which is experienced through obedience to God. Now, we took a deeper dive into the free gift dimension, and we learned that it is bestowed on every believer, right? Once you and I put our faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that's it. We receive the free gift of the free gift of favor called salvation, and that is the that's the prerequisite for enjoying any type of other favor in the kingdom of God. Because God will not deploy what is His to those that are not His. Okay? Does anybody remember that? 
Okay, and then we took a, we, we looked at four um, manifestations of favor. We looked at the compelling force of favor. This is the force, it forces things to line up for you and I, and it helps us restore wasted time. We looked at the story of the children of Israel when they were leaving Egypt after over 400 years of bondage. They didn't leave empty-handed, and that's the force, or that's the compelling force of favor. It sees to it that even if they don't like you, because of the compelling force of favor that is backing you, um, the favor, compelling force of favor of God that is backing you, they have no choice but to bless you. And that is exactly what happened to the children of Israel. When they were leaving Egypt, they did not leave empty-handed. They were the ones that made demands to the people that had enslaved them. Isn't that amazing? that, you know, God can just turn the tables and the, the very people that used to um, oppress you, you're now the one that, are make, that, that is making demands, right? We looked at the creative force of favor. Um, we saw that that's, that's what Esther experienced, right? Um, this creative force of favor, it forces progress out of stagnation and opens, opens doors that does not exist. Um, like I said, we saw it in the story of Esther, you know, um, there was a law that if the king doesn't call you, you can't come, right? But she keyed into the principles of prayer and fasting, and God supernaturally created a door specifically for her to have an audience with the king. And it led, you know, to the deliverance of the children of Israel. We, talk, we spoke about the protective force of favor. That's the one that hides you from relentless pursuers and determined enemies, and it helps you to defeat enemies that are stronger than you, right? We looked at the story of David. You know, David was relentlessly pursued by Saul, but the Bible says that, you know, Saul never caught him, because the Bible says in Psalm 5 verse 12 that he surrounds the righteous with favor as a shield, okay? Then, we, then the last one that we took a look at is the multiplying favor, um, force of favor, right? Um, we saw we saw it through the story of um, the widow of Zarephath. She was about to eat her last meal, but because she obeyed, she keyed into the instruction of Elijah. What was supposed to be her last meal began, um, God converted it and it, and it became the first of many other meals because the Bible said that she lived on the rest, okay? So we, this, is, this is what we looked, we looked at last week. And one thing that I, want, that, I, that I want to reiterate is that for any one of us to enjoy any of these manifestations of favor, we must be born again. It's not a nice to have. It is not a perhaps I think I should have. It is a must have. The Bible tells us in John 3, 3, and I'm reading in the Amplified, Jesus was speaking to Nicodemus. And he said, I assuredly and most solemnly say to you, unless a person is born again, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, sanctified, he cannot ever see and experience the kingdom of God. So we can talk about all these different manifestations, you know, of favor, but if you and I are not in the kingdom of God, it does not apply to us, okay? And like I said, the only requirement is that we put our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So salvation is not something that we get as a result of our works because our works is just as filthy rags, right? But it's in us putting our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ that we're able to now get salvation, be engrafted into the family of God, and now we can benefit from this manifestation of favor. All right, so what's the master key of divine favor, right? So we looked at this, okay, these are the many benefits, but how do, how, 
how do we key into it now that, you know, again, we've start, let's start from the same middle point, right? So now that we're Christians, we've given our life to Jesus Christ, you know, um, we're, we've now put our faith in the finished work of Christ. Then what is next, right? How do we get access to the reward dimension of favor? So long and short is we need to love God passionately. So it's not just loving God, but it's really on the emphasis on passionately, okay? So in the book of Matthew uh, chapter 22, so the Pharisees came to Jesus, right? And these Pharisees, they were very interesting. They were religious people. Like, they just did not like people to be free. You know those type of people that you get a testimony and then they start to just explain it away. Those are the type of people, Pharisees, right? So, um, so they came to Jesus because they were always debating. They, was always, they were always looking for loopholes, right? And there are people like that always looking for loopholes instead of just follow the instruction, but that's beside the point. So they came to Jesus. They asked him, they said, okay, so what is the most important commandment? You've given us 10, right? So if you were to rank it in, in, um, in order of importance, what is the most important one? So in verse 37 and 38, and I'm reading the TPT, Jesus answered him and said, love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart and with all the energy of your being and with every thought that is, that is within you. This is the great and supreme commandment. So everything that you and I will ever be is actually hinged on us loving God passionately. That's, um, you know, this, this particular translation, it says, with every passion of your heart. So that means that when we say love God passionately, it should engage every part of us. So it's not just, you know, our minds, but it's, and I like how it orders it. It says, first with your heart, because as a man thinketh, so is he, and, you know, out the, um, the Bible says, oh God, that guards your heart, because out of it flows the issues of life. So we are our hearts. Okay, so it says every passion of your heart with all the energy of your being and with every thought that is in you. So that means that, you know, spirit, body, and soul should be engaged in us loving God. Okay, it's not, it's not enough to just use your intellect in just, you know, serving, but then during, during the week, like you serve, let's say, you know, on a Sunday or whatnot, but during the week you don't read your Bible, right? Because part of loving God is communing with him. Right? So when you love someone, like we can talk about relationship, right? Strategic relationship, yeah, maybe, okay. So when you're in a relationship with someone, one thing that you people do is talk. No, you don't talk. Hey, good. <laughs> it's talk, right? And so that's the same thing, and it's the same thing with God, right? And how we talk with God is, is in two dimensions. When we read our Bible, God is talking to us. When we pray, we are talking to God, okay? So that is part of, you know, us loving God. So, so, so Jesus was telling them, like, listen, if at all there's one commandment you have to obey is this particular one, because he says, this is the great and supreme, not superior, supreme commandment. Okay, so obedience to God, um, sorry, so loving God must engage every part of us. It must engage every single part of us. So what does it mean beyond that? Okay, so practically, what does it mean to obey God, right? Um, the Bible tells us, 1 John 5, 3 in Amplified, it says, for the true love of God is this. I like the scripture because there's no room for ambiguity. 
It just tells you as it is, right? It says that we habitually keep his commandments and remain focused on his precepts. And his, and his commandments and his precepts are not difficult to obey. So from this scripture, we see that what it means to love God, um, loving God means that we obey his precepts, okay? So in the kingdom of God, obedience is the KPI, Okay, so if you want to know if you're growing in your love for God, just look at how obedient you are, right? If there were things before that, you know, you used to debate, 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 do you see debate about it now that, you know, you're growing in your love for God, right? So if God says, for example, you know, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever, right? Do you still debate that? That's how we know that we're growing in God. If the Bible tells us that you will serve the Lord your God, serving in church, but you're still, eh, I don't know, like, you know, my t this one, that one, giving excuses, right? That's how, those are just KPIs, just indicators to, for you. It's not to share with anyone, for you to know if you're growing in, um, if you're growing in your love for God, okay? So, um, so for us to experience the favor of God, we must love God, and to love God means we obey him. Um, Jesus said in John 4 verse 34 and I'm reading in the Good News Translation it says my food Jesus said to them is to obey the will of the one who sent me and to finish the work he gave me to do so Jesus was basically saying here that listen no, how I am nourished is in obedience like the whole essence of my life is hinged on my ability to remain in the perfect will of God for my life. You know, that the entirety of my life is dependent on me obeying God. And the good news is that the Bible already tells us that to obey his commands, his precepts, they are not difficult. Because, you know, in Psalm 145, verse 11, and I'm reading in the Amplified, it says, the, fa the Lord favors those who fear and worship him with all inspired reverence and obedience. Those who wait for his mercies and loving kindness. Obedience to God is the master key to divine favor. Now, I think at this point it's important that I mention that there's a difference, there are different benefits that are accrued to us from God loving us and from us loving God, okay? So, so the fact that God loves us, these are three of, three of many things that he provides to you and I. The first thing is that he provided the sacrifice for our sin. Now, because of God's love for you and I, he gave his, he gave his son Jesus, right? John 3, 16, we all know it, right? And the Bible tells us in Romans 5, 8 to 9, in the easy, it says, but God has shown us how much he loves us, even, sorry, I'm reading the easy translation, I don't know if technical has it, but please open your Bible, it's one of the translation, Romans 5, 8 to 9, easy, it says, but God has shown us how much he loves us, even when we still did not obey God, Christ died on our behalf. Because Christ died on the cross, God has accepted us as right with himself. So we, so we certainly know that Christ will save us when God judges everyone. Because of Jesus, God will not be angry with us and punish us. This is amazing news. It's basically saying that because of the sacrifice of Jesus, God is not angry with you. Okay, somebody's like, well, like, I just lied. But you my God is not angry with me. No, God is not angry with you. Okay, so I'm going to explain. 
Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, he took away sin, which is nature. Okay, so once you give your life to Jesus Christ, that nature of sin is taken out. You now have the Holy Spirit in the inside of you, and it's the Holy Spirit that now helps you, um, you know, to do life. But now because of his love for us, when we miss the mark, God has also put mechanism in place for us to be reinstated into a relationship. So that means that when we miss the mark, we don't run away from God. God is not a technical director. He's a father. And I know that, you know, when I say the word father, it can be triggering a bit and somebody's like, oh, I don't really have a good relationship with my father. But the fatherhood of God is in a different category of his own. Okay? So everything that God does or that he did, because, I mean, he has, it is finished. We are just replaying part two here on earth, is done from a place of love. So that scripture tells you that God is not angry with you. Say to yourself, God is not angry with me. Yeah, God is not angry with you, okay? So God's love for you and I, what it also does is that it permits a relationship with God. 1 John 3, verse 1, and I'm reading in the TPT. And it says, look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us. He has called us and made us his very own beloved children. Can you imagine that, you know, you and I, when we give our life to Jesus, we become the child of the most high God. So, you know, like children of presidents, right? So they have, speci- like, they have accesses to a lot of things, right? You would agree with me, right? Now, we're talking about the creator and the possessor of the heavens and of the earth. That is your father. So when you and I give our life to, G- to Jesus Christ, we're in a completely, league, completely different league. We're in a completely different league. And this sacrifice is what, because of God's love for us, he wants you and I to be in a relationship with him. This is not, really, this is not religion. This is a relationship. Okay? And like I said, in a relationship, we talk. Right? We talk. We're not, we're not walking on eggshells. Right? That's what that scripture tells us, that you know, God is not angry with us. So God's love is what gives you and I identity. We don't get our identity from what we do or what we don't do. We get our identity from the Father. We get our identity from what God, so what God says that you and I are, that settles it. Okay? So God calls you and I his children. All right? And then the third thing, just for the brevity of our time, is that it, it, um, it provides us with um, access to a meaningful life, right? We're not just passing through or just, you know, whiling away time. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, and I'm reading in the TPT, says, but you are God's chosen, gener- God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings. I love this part. Priests who are kings means that we operate in two realms, Okay, so we operate in the spirit realm. So as I'm here now, for example, right, I'm operating in two realms. There's the priesthood dimension, which is the realm of the spirit. And then there's the kingship dimension, uh, dimension, which is here on earth. And that is the uniqueness of you and I as, as children of God, is that we can be at work. Something shows up, we just tap into the spirit realm through prayer 
or, you, or if you have the, if, or if you are, if you can speak in tongues, we speak in tongues, all of a sudden, you just know what to do. And then, you know, they're, and they're still racking their head, ah, this project, something, something, and you're just like, oh guys, I think we should do it this way. And they just do it and it works. And they're wondering, ah, how did you do it? Ah. I get back in, <laughs> right? So that's, so that's priests who are kings. So we operate in two, in two realms at the same time. And we have, the Bible says, you know, live with the consciousness of God. We need to live with the consciousness of our identity in Christ Jesus. That is what gives you and I victory. We're not just flesh and blood. In fact, our primary identity is not flesh and blood. Flesh and blood is just so that we can operate here. Because spirit cannot operate. Well, not that they can, like, they can operate through influence, you know, influencing people, but fundamentally, we are spirits. Because we were made in the image and the likeness of God. God is spirit. So let's walk with the consciousness of who we are in Christ Jesus. So out of, you know, God's love for, for us, it goes on to say, you know, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted one. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you, so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the earth. This is confirmation that you have a global destiny. If you are looking for it. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonder where? It's not tied to Canada. It's not, so, so when we say we are global leaders, it's not English, it's spirits. It's from scripture. So he took you and I out of the dispensation of darkness into his marvelous light because he's taking you global. I said he's taking you global. That is the word of God. And you know, we live in a time where it's so important that we walk with this consciousness of our identity in Christ because what's one of the devices of Satan is using accusation, right, to try and cheat us out of destiny. And how he does it is that, you know, he'll just whisper in your ear, oh, you're not good enough. Oh, you know, like you're at a disadvantage. Maybe you came from a broken home. Who would like you? Accusation, accusation. And that's why we need to know these scriptures. We need to know who we are in Christ Jesus. Because when Satan comes with those accusations, Revelation 12 verse 11, the Bible says that we overcome Satan by the blood of the lamb, the blood that was shed for you and I from a place of God's love. So when he comes with those, and you know, accusation, it's just thoughts. You know, you're just judged by yourself all of a sudden. And then you now, really, now, you now start to verbalize it. Oh, is it even true? I don't have this. I don't have that. This cannot happen to me. That's accusation. But then how do we overcome it? Revelation, thank you. Um, yes. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the words of their testimony. Blood of the lamb that was shed for you and I at Calvary because God loves you. So, you cannot be accused. And then the words of testimony. So when those accusations come, you plead the blood of Jesus. Then you now speak what the Bible says concerning you, word of your testimony. 
What does the Bible say concerning you? You are a royal priesthood. Priest, that is a king. So you don't keep quiet or you don't join Satan in, in, in verbalizing his scripts. You speak. I plead the blood of Jesus. Then you declare what the scripture says concerning you and I. Because the Bible says in Romans 8 verse 1, TPT, now the case is closed. Thank you. Now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus. You can't accuse me. That's what you should be saying, you know. This, you take it. Because what does it say? Is the case open? It's closed. And it is sealed with the blood. So Satan, you can't open the case. So when those thoughts come, quickly, you don't even let it linger, right? Because it starts with a thought. The more you meditate on it, then it sets, becomes a mindset. Then it becomes, it becomes a mindset now, everything now starts to be filtered. So people, people even want to bring good things to you, but your mind is just like, oh, but it can't be me now. Like, no, I don't even deserve it. She even said I'm pretty. I don't even think I'm pretty. Yeah, pretty. Hey. The Bible says you are wonder, wonderfully and fearfully made. Best thing before sliced bread. It's just that he didn't know. He go close his eyes so he could not see you because he wasn't the one. So let me continue to what I was doing before. Romans 8 verse 1. Romans 8 verse 1. We speak it. The case is closed. Satan, you can't accuse me. I am not in your dispensation anymore. God has taken me out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his light. So let's talk about God's love, um, man's love for God. Okay, so what is in it for us? Why should we obey God? Right? Um, okay, yes, it's a commandment, but what do I stand to gain? Right? So before I go into this, I want to preface with saying that everything that God tells you and I to do, okay, is for our own interest. Because God is love. Right? Not that God is loving. God is love. So that means that his nature is love. And because his nature is love, right, everything that he does comes from a place of love. So if God is telling you and I that, hey, you know what? You need to obey me. It's because there are benefits accrued to obedience to God. Um, there are benefits tied, should I say, um, to us obeying God that you and I need for the manifestations of our destinies. Okay? 1 John 5 verse 3, for the, again, it says here, for the true love of God is this, that we habitually keep his commandment and remain focused on his precept. And, that, and his commandment and his precept are not difficult to obey. Let me explain. Okay. So when you and I put our faith in Christ Jesus, okay, um, then we are not engraced. Okay, so I'm sure we've heard about grace, you know, dispensation of grace, 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 okay? But what grace really is, is an empowerment to live a godly life, okay? So when the Bible tells us here that his commandments are not difficult to obey, they are not difficult to obey because, why? Because there is the grace of God that is bestowed to you and I to be able to live in a godly way, okay? Let's look at Titus um, 
2, verse 11 to 12, and I'm reading in the TPT. Titus 2 is not the fish scripture. <laughs> 2, 11 to 12. God's marvelous grace has manifested in person, bringing salvation to everyone. This same grace teaches us how to live each day, every single day. There is grace available every single day. Okay? And then it says... Each day, as we turn our backs on ungodliness and indulgent lifestyle, and it equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly life in this present age. So it's not a figment of our, of our imagination where it's like, ah, it's even hard to be a Christian now. No, it is not. Because there's grace available for you and I to live a godly life. Okay? Just tell your neighbor, grace is available. 1 Corinthians 15, 9 to 10, this is Paul speaking. Paul was saying, listen, if we should look at this thing, I actually don't even qualify to be a Christian. I talk less of even being an apostle because I used to be the very one that used to give, make life difficult for believers. But the Bible says here that God's amazing grace has made me who I am. The grace of God changes. If you're really living in grace, it manifests in a changed life. It says, God's amazing grace has made me who I am, and his grace to me was not fruitless. In fact, I worked harder than all the rest, yet not in my own strength. So you are right. It is difficult to obey the precepts of God when you're doing it in your own strength. But if you're doing it in the grace of God, it is not difficult. Because then he goes on to say, but God's, but God's, for his empowering grace is poured out upon me. So grace is what, the grace of God is what empowers us to be able to live a godly life. Which, you know, when, when we say godly life, a life that pleases, that pleases God, a life of obedience to God. And, as a and through that now, we're now able to reap the benefits of favor. So yes, it is possible to live a godly life when you tap into the grace of God, because if you try and do it by yourself, it will end in tears. But when you tap in the grace of, into the grace of God, he, he empowers you, because you know, you can't do the will of God in your own strength. You need, the, you need the strength of God to do the will of God. And how we grow in that grace, because the Bible says that you will grow in the grace of God. How we grow in the grace of God is by staying in the scripture. I didn't say read, stay. You are in it. You remain in it. Monday, you are there. Tuesday, you are there. Wednesday, you are still there. Saturday, God, I'm here. That's how we grow, right? We grow in the grace. So, you know, if God wants us to live a life of abundance, empowered by grace, again, what's in it for you and I, right? What do we stand to gain? So we're going to look at four benefits of loving God. So the first one is that loving God makes all things work together for our good. I know that, you know, this is a popular scripture in the Christendom, right? It's um, part of like Christianese. Oh, it's working out. It doesn't work out for the good of everybody. For the good of those who? Those who? So it's not for everybody that it works out for the good. Okay? It says, for we are convinced that every detail of our life is continually woven together for good. For we are his lovers and we have been called to fulfill his design purpose. 
So when we live a life of obedience to God, what God does is that he uses every single detail of our lives. Let me tell you, including tears. Including tears. That's why we have the scripture. Those that sow in tears, they reap in joy. Because nothing is wasted. When you're a lover of God, when you, you prioritize obeying him, he sees to it that nothing goes wasted. Nothing goes wasted. He uses even the, the disappointments that you and I, you know, face. Right? He, he, he uses that to bring out something good. That every detail, I really like it because to me, it means that it's not happening to me, it's happening for me. That's what it means, every detail. So it's not happening to you and I, it is happening for us because God does not waste. Psalm 56 verse 8, and I'm reading in the TPT. And it says, you've kept track of all my wandering and weeping you stored my many tears in your bottle. Not one will be lost, for they are all recorded in your book of remembrance. So this year, year 2023, we're already December 3rd. Some things that you've been waiting on God for, right? And it hasn't yet happened. But you've been committed. You've been serving. They don't need to cajole you to serve. When, they, when you're scheduled, you show up on time. You've been praying. You've been in your word. You know, you've been doing, you've been staying on the streets and narrow. Right? And then all of a sudden, it just seems like it's happening for everybody except you. Does somebody sometimes feel that? Ah, me, I sometimes feel little. Can we be honest here? No? Right? You're doing all the right, you're, you're, you're doing from the scripture. But it now feels like, ah, God, like what's going on? But then God has a book of remembrance that he now opens. He now reads it. Ah, my daughter, she cried that day. We have to do something about it. Because God is committed. He says nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. I said nothing is wasted. So he now opens the book of remembrance. Malachi 3, 16 to 18, amplified. Malachi 3, 16 to 18, and amplified. And then it says, then those who fear the Lord with odd-filled reverence spoke to one another, and the Lord paid attention and heard it. This is him paying attention to your cries. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who fear the Lord with an attitude of reverence and respect and who esteem his name. Then he speaks, they will be mine, says the Lord of hosts. On day which is today because today is the day that the Lord has made you will be glad and you will rejoice in it and then it says on that day when I publicly recognize them and openly declare them as my own possession that is my very special treasure I will have compassion on them and spare them as a man spare his own son who serves him then you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked between the one that serves God and the one that does not serve God so he opens the book of remembrance he's reading because it says conversations right he's reading through it because again nothing is lost He's reading through it. And then the day happens, which is today. All of a sudden, he now opens. He now says, ah, it's time. 
it's time, it's time, it's time, it's time. It's time, it's time. And then he now says, I will publicly recognize you. So please don't relent. Don't relent. Don't relent. Public recognition, what you're doing in the secret place, God will publicly recognize you in the name of Jesus. He's going to use your life to distinguish. He will distinguish you. He will use your life as this is what goodness looks like. He will broadcast it. He will say, if you are looking for goodness, just look at my daughter's life. That is it. Just look at my son's life. Because nothing is wasted. Every single thing works together for your good. The second one that we're going to take a look at is loving God guarantees the practical manifestation of your glorious future. 1 Corinthians 2 verse um, 9 to 10 in TP says, this is, why this, this is why the scripture says, things never discovered or heard of before, things beyond our ability to imagine. These are the, the many things God has in store for all his lovers. But God now unveils these profound re realities to us by the spirit. Yes, he has revealed to us the innermost heart and deepest mysteries through the Holy Spirit who constantly explores all things. This scripture means that there are many things that, that's, there are many things that God has taught for you and I that is stored in our spirit because God speaks to us spirit to spirit. I said God is spirit, we are spirit, so speaks to, he speaks to us spirit to spirit, right? So it's until we grow in our love for God because, you know, um, the favor is in dimensions, right? So the more we grow in our love for God, Right? The Holy Spirit now begins to unveil. It begins to show you, okay, this is what the next season is going to look like. You know, this business that you've been on, okay, it's time to position yourself because in the next 15 years, the stock market is going to change and I need you to just set yourself up right now because there's assignment that I need you to do in the next 15 years. He unveils to you the hidden mysteries, things that are stored. They are not hidden from you. They are hidden for you. And it's the Holy Spirit needs to now show you. So as we deepen our love for God, he begins to unveil. That's what he did with Joseph. Right? The king had a dream. Joseph was able to interpret that, listen, no, wait. In the next 14 years, there are going to be seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. And God now gave him supernatural wisdom to know how to you know, maximize the seven years of, um, of plenty so that in the year of famine, they are living like there's plenty. And the Bible tells us that, that people were coming from all over the world to come and buy from them. That is how the Holy Spirit reveals to us as we deepen our love for God. So don't, don't say, oh, you know, I'm just in high school or I'm just in university. You know, um, I don't even know what's going to happen. God is able to show you 15 years from now, 20 years from now. He's able to show you. It's in deepening our relationship with God, growing in our love for God. Then the Holy Spirit begins to unpack you know, what is to come. Because the Bible said the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. He will show you what is to come. We are not supposed to live, you know, we're not supposed to live in guesswork. Because we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's work is to reveal Jesus to us, reveal the scripture to us. Right? So, so here you are, you know, today is what, December 3rd. God can tell you, 
about what the stock, about what the real estate market will be in the next 10 years and give you specific strategy on what you need to do. So that by the time that comes, it's not looking like, ah, and then people ask you, oh, ah, how did you know this? Ah, I get back in. Right? God is able to do it, but it only manifests in relationship, in loving God, in loving God. Right? So for example, in the pandemic, People were saying, oh, ah, you know, um, this pandemic, people are, nobody's even buying house. Ah, that's Satan. People were buying house. Working from home. They were saying, oh, recession, something, something, something. People were still prospering. Because there can be darkness in Egypt. In Goshen, there is light. There is light in Goshen. Where you and I live is Goshen. That's where there's light. So people can be in confusion and all manners of things, but because you and I belong to the kingdom of light, we are light. They also say you are the lights of the world. So that means that where people are, you know, wondering, okay, what should we do? You just know because you have competitive advantage, right? The third thing, I'm just going to quickly rush it because of our time. It guarantees divine presence, right? Loving God guarantees divine presence into... The um, a divine, a guaranteed divine presence, you know, leading to supernatural, um, supernatural results, right? So, Luke 2, verse 52 in the voice translation, the Bible said that Jesus, he grew, he grew in wisdom. So that means that today, one dimension of loving God is you give your life to Jesus, right? So as you continue, it shouldn't be that one year from now, you're still at that same dimension, right? So you should, you should be growing. And the Bible says, Jesus kept on growing in wisdom and physical stature, in favor with God and in favor with others. There's a translation that said that he continued to grow in divine favor and in human favor. Because what happens is that growing in wisdom means um, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So when we grow in wisdom, it basically means that we're growing in our love for God. Okay? So there is a direct correlation between your growth in God and your favor with God and with men. Because this favor is in dimension. So that means that if you and I, you know, we want to experience more of God's favor, what should we do? What should we do? Grow in love. And I like it because I like how, you know, the scripture puts it in order. In wisdom, so that means that you're feeding your spirit man first. Nothing wrong about taking care of our physical bodies because at the end of the day, we need this physical body to be in one piece, to be able to make full expression of our destiny here on earth. But the, the order of priority is spirits. Is spirits, then the body. Because what does it profit? More so. Situation come, you cannot show your work. Yeah, I mean, what does it profit? Oh, the muscle. Oh, yeah. Show your work. You can show work. It's of no, it's of, I mean, it becomes even annoying. You know, like, like if you meet some, some people, like, they're just fine, but like, you can't, right? It becomes annoying, right? But when we sharpen our spirits, and let me tell you, the more you take in God, you just become beautiful. It's weird. It's the glory of God, because the glory of God is beautiful. So the more you take in light, you take in light, you take in light, you take in light, all of a sudden, ah, you're glowing. Oh, 
His glory. Yeah, because that's, that's what happened. The Bible says he shares his glory with us. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18, we all, as we behold in the word of God, we're being what? Transfigured. Can I please have it in the message translation? Whenever though they turned to face God as Moses did, God removed the veil and they were, and they are face to face. They suddenly realize, recognize that God is a living, personal presence and not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, again the presence of God, living spirit that is old, constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it. All of us, nothing between us and God, our faces shining with the brightness of his face. Keep going. And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah. Our life gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as, we, as God enters our life and we become like him. So when you read your Bible, you're in it. You just become beautiful. That's free makeup. <laughs> right? That's how it works. Okay, so in that presence is what, you know, um, Jesus, Jesus did amazing things. The Bible says, um, John 14, 21, and I'll just read the latter part. And I will, pers- I will passionately love him in return. So those who truly love God, you know, God loves them, he, they obey him. Then he says, I will passionately love them in return and will reveal myself to him. Reveal, that word reveal actually means I will personally come to him. That's actually what it means. I will personally come to him. And we saw, Jesus did so many miracles. Um, John chapter 2, that's the, the wedding at Canaan, where he turned water into wine. He removed shame, something that was going to just be shame, because in their time, if you don't have wine at a wedding, it's shame. So God, supernatural, it talks about extraordinary miracles. So the presence of God, you know, it gives you... It, it backs you up. And then the little, you know, um, I love how Mercy Chinwo said it. Um, you do the little, um, you make the little things I do be like saying a big thing. Oh, that's it. Oh. So little things that you do, presence of God just blows it out. And it converts it into extraordinary miracles. And then the last one, you know, it prevents failure. Right, it prevents you and I from failure. The Bible says, I love this scripture. Psalm 62, verse 1 to 2, TPT. I am standing in absolute stillness. This is David speaking. Silence before the one I love, the one I love. Waiting as long as it takes for him to rescue me. Only God is my savior and he will not fail me. You will not fail in Jesus' name. For he alone is my safe place. He's wrapped around presence. You see here the presence of God. Always protects me as my champion defender. There is no risk of failure with God. God is 100% guaranteed. No better investment. 100% guarantee all the time, across time, to generation come and go. 100% guarantee. There's zero risk of failure with God. Because... 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, love does not fail. There's no risk of failure with God. There is no risk. If you put your life in the hands of God, be rest assured. God is a distinguisher of men. He uses favor to distinguish men. You know, I remember when I was in U of T, I went to the Mesaga campus, right? I didn't come from a Christian home, by the way. Uh, No, we were just... Very intellectual, people, all right? My father was a lawyer, all right? And my mom owned her own business, 
no Christian background. But I came to Canada, and then, you know, but the, the, just the message of God, I believe. I just, my roommates, anybody went to CIC? Okay, so I went to CIC as well, right? My roommates were Christians, and they said, well, let's go to church. I said, okay, let's go, <laughs> because I'm not going to stay in race by myself, <laughs> right? And so I went, and then one day I gave my life to Jesus. To be very honest, I didn't even understand the whole thing, but somebody just told me, it's time. I kept going. In university, same thing. I mean, there's some of them that, you know, were on campus at the same time. Friday, service. I understand. I don't understand. I'm showing up. Because something just told me in the inside that you need to hear this thing. And mind you, let me be very honest, I didn't understand everything. In fact, there's more that I did not understand that I understood. But I still kept showing. Because the Bible said the entrance of your word is entrance. It's not understanding. It has to enter. It is the entrance of your word that brings light. So light was just entering. Light was just entering. Light was just entering. And boom. Because God is a distinguisher. I remember in my time when we were in uni, there were so many things. Afrofest, this one, that one, this one, that one. I mean, now I don't even think they do that as much now, right? But something just told me, just don't, don't do that one. Don't worry. And they used to make fun of me, by the way. I mean, thank God, they're witnessing the Chinese here, she knows. Right? They used to make serious fun. Ah, but today God has changed the story now. <laughs> because I get back here, right? Serious fun. But it pays to stick with God because light was just entering. I didn't know, I wasn't conscious. Like I said, there was more that I had no clue that I did not understand, that I understood. But there was just something that kept telling me, ah, just show up, just show up. And that time, ah, you people are even nice, so they bring you here. We used to take bus. Right? There's many buses that bring from, no, that time, and that time the buses were not even as sophisticated as now, right? They didn't have multiple roads, so you wait. Huh? You wait under the codes. But today the story is different. Because God favors those who love him. He favors those who stick with him. He backs them up. He sees to it that they're not put to shame. He sees to it that down the line when I'm sitting with my mates, oh, Even if they ask questions, right? Because it's, it's scripture. It's scripture. And it's not to say that like it's easy. It's not easy, but it takes one to just make up their mind that, you know what, this God thing, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I won't postpone my decision to give my life to Jesus Christ. So please, today you have that opportunity. Don't postpone. Don't postpone. 2024 is um, four weeks away. Four weeks away. You know, when we talk global leader, global leader, global leaders are decisive people and they make decisions when it is time. This is your day of salvation. Don't push it away. They might make fun of you, it's okay. A ah, few years now. We'll talk. All right? You know, it might look like, oh, I'm even doing this Jesus thing. Everybody on a Friday night, you know, people are going out, they're turning on me, I'm coming to church. Keep coming. I'm telling you, keep coming. I'm telling you, keep coming. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna rise to our feet because I want to give somebody the opportunity to give their life to Christ. So let's rise up to our feet. 
and I'm going to wrap with this. You know, back then, I was serving in the junior church. It's not like, ah, you people are, you people are lucky. It's not like now, before, so when we're in the old building, junior church was like, maybe like a 10-minute walk. But you can imagine walking in the cold. You didn't enter. Right? But I, didn't, I, I took my service very, very seriously. Very seriously. Thank God that they're still living, with, living witness today. And the story is different. Where, 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 where people were saying, oh, for example, when I was at UFC, they said, oh, you know, international students, they can't go on um, exchange program because you have to be a local. I went and they sponsored it. Because God uses favor when you love him to distinguish you. So please, this is your opportunity. Don't leave it to tomorrow. Because you don't know if you will be there tomorrow. Settle eternity now. This is your opportunity. Let's settle eternity. So if you want to give, if you've been hearing the talk that ah, it's enough, stop talking, let me give this life. It's your opportunity. All you got to do, just put your hand on your heart. And we're going to see, you're going, you're going, we're going to say this prayer. You're going to repeat after me. Okay? And trust me, you're making the best decision of your life. Because life gets even better from here. Okay? So, just put your hand on your heart, just so that the ushers, you know, they'll, um, the, the altar ministry team, they'll give you, you know, they'll give you materials. Because in the kingdom of God, we don't do life alone. Okay? So, you're going to repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me. On the third day, you rose from the dead. Come into my heart. Lord Jesus, take away my sin. Give me the grace to live a life that is pleasing to you. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate our brothers and sisters that have come back to the kingdom? You have made the best decision of your life. You have made the best decision of your life. And, you know, we're going to pray as we wrap up the service that God is going to use your life as broadcast publicity of his goodness in the mighty name of Jesus. That even as you have come into the kingdom at this time, a time where it's highly sensitive in the spirit, God will settle you in the mighty name of Jesus. God will you in the mighty name of Jesus in all the places that you have received no in time past that you need a yes God will give you a yes in the name of Jesus and all the places that you have received a yes but you truly need a no God will close those doors in the mighty name of Jesus and I pray for every person that is already in the kingdom that is saying to themselves God I want to grow in my love for you I pray that God will reveal himself to you in the mighty name of Jesus he will become even more and more real to you with every passing day in the mighty name of Jesus. And like Daniel, God would distinguish you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Can we celebrate God for the word?